Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Jock Mailbag. We've made it through to the 10th episode, and joining me is Clarky and Azza. How are you doing, Clarky? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, I had a really, I had a pretty average week, to be honest. Uh, in the Supercoach world, uh, Zach Merritt's 64 really killed me. And Azza, joining us for the first time, how are you, mate? Fantastic. It's good to be here, fellas. Thanks for having me on this uh, edition of Jock's Mailbag. When I asked you, you couldn't say yes quick enough. So our forward lines have taken another hit again. Toby Green is out for four weeks with a shoulder injury. So we're just not getting premiums staying on the park down that end of the ground. Uh, I'm getting straight into the first question here from Jay. Should he be traded to another forward or to a midfielder? I mean, it pick your poison, really. Like, which line are you going to struggle in more? Is the forward line, uh, as I said, I think I think I said it last week, which is probably one of my favorite uh, analogies. Uh, if the forward line were a thing, it would just be that pile of laundry that's in the corner of your room that never gets done. Because, um, I think that's a pretty apt. Like, we're kind of just waiting to deal with it. But Toby Green's price means that you can trade him to a few tasty options this week. Um I think you should trade him to another forward and just keep a little bit of semblance of structure. But if you've got an opportunity to get a really top tier midfielder, then also that's fine. Yeah. And I'm going to probably mention this a few times uh, on this podcast with a couple of other questions we've got coming on, but it all depends on what your team is currently looking like. Um, it's hard to know sort of what his structure looks like and how many premium forwards he's already got. But if you've already got uh, a number of them there, then I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't look at some tasty uh, um, midfield options. We look at the likes of Rory Sloan, who's at 428, or um, some other options in in around that price point. You're not looking for too much cash, um, and you should probably already be having a bit of in the bank. So there's probably another few options you could consider, given that uh, the forward lines are uh, premiums are struggling this year. So if you've got the cash, I'd be looking at a midfielder, to be honest. Sorry, Clarky. Look, I, I, you know, I, I think people should pick you pick whether you eat your meat or vegetables first. You know, uh, Toby Green's four sixty three, and that could get you an Aaron Hall for not that much difference. Uh, you could go all the way down to an Isaac Heaney is a popular option this week. Uh, a little bit of uh, can I just do a little little T Mac soup, huh? T Mac and cheese. For, no, okay. That's uh, the dinner analogy is falling apart, but I think there's some really good options this week to side to sideways in. And Clarky, you've touched on basically the next two questions there. So John D fifty nine via Twitter has asked if Tom McDonald or Nick Hind is a good selection, and then Big Ben, who always puts in a question every single week, we love his involvement, and he asks about Isaac Heaney and Jesse Hogan, and possibly the risk associated with those two guys. Tom McDonald is 462k, so he's pretty much a straight swap with not a lot of money left over if you do Toby Green to him. So he's not a bad option. Nick Hind is doing pretty well for the Bombers and mostly scores in that 80 to 95 sort of range. So that's not too bad. Isaac Heaney has had his injury troubles and uh, Horse was saying that he'd be a week-by-week proposition about getting up and playing, and which is a little bit risky. And Leon Cameron is Leon Cameron, but also Jesse Hogan also has his injury troubles, which they're not going to risk as well. So out of those 
four guys. You'd probably pick Tom McDonald or Nick Hind, but Isaac Heaney and Jesse Hogan are at really good prices this week. I think Isaac Heaney is a really good idea if you don't already have too much risk uh, as a replacement for Chad Warner because you're going, I believe you're going down or slightly up. Is it what, 14K difference? I can't remember whether it's down or up from Heaney to Warner. Um, And, you know, Heaney does play good football when he's fit and Warner's kind of pumping out the 60s and stagnating. So, you know, you could do that and then just hold him for the rest of the year. Tom McDonald's run for the next few weeks is also quite nice as well. Um, And Nick Hind... As I said, he's he's a pretty uh, consistent scorer. Um, as a out of those four guys, who's probably the safest one that you would take a punt on? Look, I I mean we we know what Tom McDonald's capable of. We've seen it in in uh, past Supercoach seasons that he can pump out some really big scores, which is always going to be really helpful. Nick Hind, you, you're getting consistency, which is always um, really good to see as well. So it's it's whether you want to sit in the consistency basket. Or in the risk factor, you know, and the the plateau factor um, with McDonald pumping out some huge scores. I probably would lean towards the McDonald over Hind. Um, but if, but I tell you what, Isaac Heaney is the one that I'm definitely looking at. I know I talked about it last week about even bringing him in, and kind of regret that I didn't give any put out a hundred. And he's definitely firmly in my um, in my trade radar this week because. Yeah, like Clark, you said, if you don't have too much risk, you can definitely consider it. And at this stage, I'm pretty safe with what my team looks like. And if I can get Heaney in, then I've only got four playing rookies left to go, which is going to put me in a really good position for the run home. So McDonald's probably the best pick, but um, I'm still looking at uh, Heaney as probably the second one for me. I think McDonald has the highest ceiling, but you probably want consistency. Uh, Tom McDonald has proven, I think, this year that he needs he probably needs to kick, you know, three to four goals for him to have like a, a big game, um, but he can kind of fluctuate a little bit more. Does Isaac Heaney, uh, does Horses comments? surrounding Isaac Heaney worry any of you guys with selecting him? Yes and no. I mean, we we know what to expect with Isaac Heaney, and we've seen it in past seasons with his injury woes. Yes, we probably know you're never going to get a full 22-game season out of him, and he's already missed a couple of games this season, so that's all, that ship sailed, and you're probably not going to be getting um, you know the rest of the season where he's playing every game. We 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 already know that's but if you if you've got a team where you've got um, some players on the bench who you know can jump in if required when he needs, or if you're to looking to build up your team for the run home, I I, st- I still think it's a worthwhile risk because we know Heaney is more than capable of pulling out the hundred plus scores, and at his price, poor it's too it's nearly too hard to pass up really. And one other positive with Isaac Heaney is with Buddy Franklin finally on the park and Hayden McLean proving himself as a reasonable sidekick, he's not going to be having to play as a key forward as he has been required to play in the past. So he's more likely to run up the ground and play a bit more of a ball-winning role, which is more positive for his scoring. Maybe not more positive for his uh, injury prevention, but more positive for his scoring. So that's just what some of the pros and cons to weigh up. Um, speaking of pros and cons, Matthew on Twitter has asked us to weigh up the pros and cons of Cam Guthrie 
Clayton Oliver and Jared Lyons. And then after we've weighed it all up, he would like us to choose one. So I'll start with Jared Lyons, 630K, averaging 121.8, hasn't missed a game this season. Three-round average of 135, five-round average of 128.2. No scores below 100 yet. So I guess Pro hasn't gone below 100. Pro has a nice ceiling. Con in a midfield without Lockie Neal. Uh, Clayton Oliver, fantastic midfielder. Um, has the benefit of, uh, would say, he's got a 118 average, nine games, three-round average of 127, five-round average of 122 with only one score below 110. Um, pro, cheaper than Jared Lyons with similar output. Maybe not as high of a ceiling, but similar output. Uh, pro in a side that's on a hot run and a core is a core player of the midfield. Uh, Con can get tagged, uh, which affects his scoring, and he does have a habit of giving people heart attacks of scoring five points for a quarter, then 90 points for a quarter, and then another three points a quarter, and then finishing it off to meet that 120. And one other thing about Clayton Oliver is if he does get tagged, he's, he doesn't necessarily stop him reaching the ball it stops his method of disposal and he can become quite a handball happy player when he is being tagged meaning he's not getting as much points for what he's doing with the ball so that's another thing that is worrying when he does get tagged but teams are tagging Christian Petrarca a bit more these days yeah and then I guess to round it off yeah Cam Guthrie uh sitting at 617,200 Bucks uh, averaging 122.9 in his nine games. Only the one score below 100, and we've seen some pretty big scores come out of Guthrie. Uh, 163, 144, 132, and 136 against St Kilda last week. So there's plenty of uh, pros there with good ceiling, good average. Um, the only con, of course, is that whether or not you know his um, score is going to be impacted with the return of Dangerfield in a few weeks. I still like him. We know he's a, he's a prolific um, ball-winning midfielder, super coach-friendly role. He's been pump, you know, pumping out the, uh, a good amount of points. I'm, I, I'd love to be able to get him into my side, but just can't get him at the moment. Uh, for me, I reckon it would probably go uh, Lions, Guthrie, Oliver. Yeah, the one thing that stands out to me with Cam Guthrie is he's averaging 122 his three-round average is 128, and his five-round average is 120. So he's pretty consistent across the board, which is something that you don't get from your midfielders all that often. Jared Lyons, he's got a three-round average of 135, but he's averaging 121, which means there is a low score in there. And I say low, even though he hasn't gone below 100. You get what I mean. And Clayton Oliver yeah. has had that really poor score, but he hasn't gone below 110 other than that poor score for the year, but still has that low average compared to his three-round and five-round averages. So I think Cam Guthrie's consistency is being underrated. However, I do agree that I would go Lions, Guthrie, and then Oliver. Yeah, and I think it's also worthwhile looking at also the fixture that um, these players have got coming up. You, you look at Jared Lyons, who's got uh, Richmond, GWS, Melbourne North. It's a bit of a tough one there, but when you're looking at the the likes of Cam Guthrie, he's got some pretty easier games on the horizon uh, with Gold Coast, uh, Collingwood, Port Adelaide, Brisbane. Uh, sorry, Western Bulldogs and Brisbane. So there's probably some big scores to come 
from there. Um, and then for, for Clayton Oliver, uh, who has he got coming up in the next few weeks? Adelaide, Western Bulldogs, Brisbane, Collingwood. So, yeah, there's a couple of challenging ones there, but I think the pick of those is still Cam Guthrie with a um, friendlier, friendlier fixture out of the three. But, yeah, you got to go with Lions consistency. Look, gut, gut vibe for me goes Guthrie, Oliver, Lions, just because I think Lions Ooh. is quite expensive. So 630 is nothing to sneeze at, and the Lockie Neal factor does concern me later on in the season. Oliver and Guthrie have been very consistent this year, and they're both priced at not, you know, they're probably priced in between, you know, Guthrie's right in between Lions and Oliver, and Oliver's probably on the way back up to a higher price. So I think from cash-wise value for money uh i would pick guthrie uh and then oliver just because he is quite low for what he outputs john dj 59 via twitter has asked is it worth keeping tom powell because he plays in round 14 no i to, to me it's a no because he's he's a rookie i i I know people are thinking about the buyers now and who's going to be playing, but uh, I think Tom Powell, with the money he's going to lose, um, unless he, you know, scores back-to-back 100, which is not beyond him as we've seen so far, um, I don't think he is a must-keep specifically for your buy rounds. But, I mean, every team is different and people might have some money in the bank that can offset him losing a bit of cash over the next five or six weeks. But um, I would, my advice to people is uh, to find ways to uh, trade him now while he is at his peak price. Yeah. Look, I, I couldn't agree more there. I think um, Powell had a bit of an off week. I mean, he's uh center, center, center bounce attendances and his uh, ball work in the midfield was pretty much at a season high, believe it or not, but it was a season low, disposals and a season-low Supercoach output that sort of put a dampener upon everything. Uh, I think now is probably the time that you do really want to start considering trading him out, considering he has reached a bit of a, a bit of a height and you are going to have the three-round uh, flux to think about. And now is the time to be thinking about the upgrade. So I think this is really the time to start thinking about getting rid of him. Could be... In a frame for a rest, I don't think it might. It, it might be the case. I, it's hard to know with North, um, given there's so much youth and what David Noble's thinking. But with the win, I think it's probably likely they want to reward the kids more than anything. Um, so we'll probably see an, un, hopefully maybe even see an unchanged lineup. But uh, yes, I think you already hit the nail on the head there, Damo. I think now's the time to really thinking about moving Powell onwards. We'll move on because we've pretty because we covered that pretty well there. Um, sorry, Clarkie, you didn't get your chance to have your say, but you can have your say on this next one. Big Ben has said that he can bring in Sam Doherty even though his back line is complete. He's, and then, so he's asked, can Laird's DPP be utilised in the midfield if it assists in completing his team? Uh, short answer, that's that's a yes. I mean, there's there's really no downside to doing that. If you're bringing in a premium to replace him, Led's still scoring quite well. He's averaging over 100. He's not going to kill you if he ends up as your M7 or M8. Um, the important thing is that you're bringing in high output players in whichever line suits. That's why you have a DPP in the first place. Yeah, and the one thing that stands out to me with Rory Laird is with Roy Sloan back in the side, he his scoring has been much better. Yes, yeah, agreed. So I think Laird's scoring depends on Rory, Lone, uh, Rory Sloan staying fit. So hopefully 
he can stay on the park. Let's go spending boys. How would you spend a million bucks in Supercoach, Azza? <laughs> a million dollars, you say? Yeah, Hamish via Twitter has asked us what we do with. He's got just over a million dollars to spend with Powell and Warner on the trade table. Unreal. Well, geez, can I have some of that cash to start with? Do you take loans? <laughs> uh, I, I look, I think, again, probably depends on where your team's at and depends on where your um, lines are the weakest. So whether that's the forward lines and you're wanting to maybe bring in a couple. Look at me. I mean... Zorko's your pr- probably the pick of the bunch at the moment, and the only one that's not really injured, so he'd be number one on the uh, on the target list for the forwards. If your midfields are struggling, well, again, it depends on who you sort of got. But if I'm looking at my team, and if I had a million bucks, well, Cam Guthrie and Jared Lyons would be the two there. But um, those would be the ones I'd be targeting. Um, Defense-wise, again. It depends on who you've got, but uh, I'd love to be able to get uh, Callum Mills in my side. He's probably my one target that I'd love to to be able to have. Um, but yeah, I guess if you're spending a million, look at where you've look at where you, you need to spend it most first. What about you, Clarky? Look for my money. I'm just going through some prices here and trying to do quick maths, which I've realised now is not my strong <laughs> suit, so I should stop doing that. Uh, but I think you're right. I think it's look at where you're weakest. But I mean, look, if you're giving me personally for my team a million dollars, looking at it now, I'd be bringing in a Callum Mills or a uh, Jake Lloyd, uh, both pretty underpriced. Caleb Daniel is very well priced this week. Um, I know that's not spending a lot of money, but bringing in a Caleb Daniel at 468, that does leave you with, you know, a little bit under. 600 to play with josh kelly very well priced seems to be back in the midfield he uh, had 132 last week so you get you can get a josh kelly and a caleb daniel i think pretty comfortably uh that's a good deal that's about that's about a mil yeah that seems like a pretty good deal that's that's a two for right there dane zorko uh hall has been playing well he it's Look, it's oh man, you're giving you're giving me too much. You're giving me. <laughs> I think you need to go for a 450k player and a 550k yep, like player. It. So Josh Kelly and Caleb Daniel, we've solved it. Thanks, Damo. You did it. And you could probably spend 450k in your forward line and 550k in your defense or your midfield, and then you've replaced Chad Warner, and then you've retraced, uh, re- retraced, replaced Tom Powell pretty much directly, and that's. And that's probably the best way to use the money, but that's a lot of money to have. And uh, I'm sure lots of people would be envious of that. Jack via Twitter has asked us a question, which I actually want us to talk sort of broadly about. He's talking about trading uh, Tom Powell and uh, Jacob Kaczynski to Cam Guthrie, but he can only make that trade if he also brings in a 102k non-playing player and he's only got 14 trades he's asked is it worth it so to me the answer is no on that as what do you feel about that yeah again um as i've said a couple of times it really depends on where your team is sitting and what your structure looks like if you've got a team that has got a lot of playing rookies then it's not the worst of options um, I, I feel because again you want to be looking at the long-term goal you want to be looking at getting those premium players in now so if you've got rookies up your sleeve on the bench that can come in through your buy rounds this isn't a bad option but again in saying that if you've got a team that 
doesn't have a lot of playing rookies and you're bringing in someone just to be able to upgrade it, it's probably too much of a risk because with the buy rounds coming, you're going to need warm bodies to be able to play and just to be able to bring a player in for the sake of it, probably not a really good idea, especially with uh, 14 trades. So again, depends where you're sitting, but for me, I'd be thinking, having a long, hard thing about it. If you've got the rookies, go for it. If you don't, it's a no from me. Yeah, so I guess that sort of has the question that comes off it, uh, Clarkie. What point does the trades become more valuable than what you gain by using them? Because obviously we start with 30 and we sort of go, oh, yeah, we can do two here, two there, one there. But then suddenly you're at 20 18, 14 trades, and then you've got to really start thinking about what these trades will gain you as opposed to what they lose you in the in the, in the the form of an actual trade, which is quite valuable this year, especially with all the injuries. Yeah, I think um, it's it's all like, uh, and you know, you, you guys covered covered it off. It's kind of, it's a, it's a flowing value, really, that kind of, um, think of them as two levels and they kind of end up meeting in the middle and then like the trade, the value of a trade goes up the less you have. Really, it's kind of when you look at, you start looking, I reckon about now, about rounds eight onwards, round seven and eight onwards are probably where they start gaining more value because it's when you need to start making your moves and preparing yourself for buys. Because once you're out of the buys, your team should pretty much look close to its final product or at least be in the stage of like the final phase of finishing up. So, you know, it's... It's very difficult to manage that, especially if you have a lot of injuries through the year. So you always want to be make sure that use your trades to improve your team. Sideways trades trading, unless you have an injury, is very risky. And it actually it does devalue the trade and it devalues the player that you bring him in from an efficiency standpoint because you're using something that you're not going to get another one of. You know, there are a bunch of players and they all score very differently. This, you know. And obviously, a correction trade earlier in the season is quite different. But if you're just not happy with someone, you know, and you're trading them sideways, it's not an efficient move. And you have to be aware of that and willing to accept that as part of what you're doing. So I would think, yeah, looking to trade guys from like rookies are the big one. Trading a rookie to somebody who is not playing is not efficient if you don't have a lot of trades. If you have like, if you have, I would say probably anywhere between 14 to 16 trades. It's probably it's a rough trade to make because you are not getting anything back for that trade. You are getting an upgrade and then you are getting nothing more. Whereas if you're trading it to a rookie who's playing, they are then generating cash, which means that you can make another upgrade later down the line, hopefully. So don't don't just throw a trade away. I think we've pretty much covered that one. So trades become more valuable. The less you have. <laughs> the, the less you have, basically, yeah. The Sir420 um, has asked via Twitter, He's and he asked this because we haven't really done a question like this since the first couple of episodes where we talked about which players had the best hair or which clubs had the best theme song. So Alex Pierce and GWS, yes. He wants to know who are our favorite commentators. As I'll let you uh, let you take this one as the guest. Ah, uh, me. Well, at the moment, I actually don't mind listening to the, uh, the footy on silent, to be honest. I've always found that to be <laughs> more enjoyable, uh, with especially some of the commentators that grace our screens. But now for me, it's hard to go past Anthony Hudson. I've always loved him. Um, what he brings to the commentary. Um, he's always been my number one pick. Um, what about you, 
Damo? Look, if we're talking about TV commentators and we're talking about play-by-play, I do enjoy Anthony Hudson. I also enjoy the likes of um, Adam Papalia, who does lots of WA games over here. And Mark Howard is actually quite a decent play-by-play commentator because he doesn't really get involved in the in, in the analytical side of his play-by-play callings like you see Brian Taylor getting into. If we're talking about special comments... I really like uh, – I actually quite enjoy Cam Mooney's um, boundary writing special, special co- comments. He seems to really understand the players still, and so he understands how players are feeling when they come off the ground, how players are feeling when they're on the ground. And I think that's something that's really valuable in a in a special comments commentator because you see um, – because you see commentators like Dermot Brereton who – Yeah, I don't think we need to talk about mm. him Ugh. very much. Dermot Brereton doesn't like to watch people enjoy playing football against other people. Opponents cannot be friendly. They should be socking each other in the face. You absolutely. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Clarky. Um, so Dermot Brereton's your favorite commentator? Yeah, absolutely. Right up there with Wayne Carey, a man who can get away with anything and still be in the media. Look, for me, uh, so uh, you know, as you can probably tell by that, my favorite commentators are the guys who are usually sat behind me by like a row or two for who go for the opposition team when I'm at the footy. Um, they seem to really get the play by plays. Uh, don't love the umpires, those guys, but yeah, that's uh, I I'm with Azar. I'm kind of, I actually prefer going to the football or kind of just watching it because I'm like, I can know what's going on. Uh, I don't need it to be very a- averagely called uh, so that I know what's going on, but I do like Hutto. I think he is probably the one that stands out for me maybe not like the best but i can i can listen to him and not feel sick and that's not that's not a slight against him he does a good job it's a slight against the rest of uh, a lot of the other people that are on those commentary teams i'm just like yep if you weren't doing this i would still be fine and one good thing about anthony hudson is he gets excited if it's an exciting part of the game it doesn't matter whether a team's in front or behind if a team kicks a goal, he's excited. If a team takes a mark, he's excited. It's not, oh, that'll help them get into the game a bit from, like we see from other play-by-play commentators. He's he's there to make the game exciting and he exceeds in actually creating that environment in, in your own lounge room, which is which uh, is basically his job description. Yeah. Uh, one of the biased ones to me, I do like Daisy Pierce, um, but you correctly pointed out, that she is great when she is not commentating for Melbourne games. Yes, I watched it. Uh, I, I watched a game when she w- was doing a Melbourne game and kept referring to Melbourne as we. And I mean, she plays for Melbourne. That makes sense. But if you're commentating a game, I don't think that's actually fair, especially if someone is watching who supports the opposition. Azza, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's absolute pleasure. We haven't really uh, had you do much for us so far, especially on this podcast, considering how great you were for the BBL. A silent night, I think you might call me. I can't let I can't let people know how much better you are than me, otherwise they'll be <laughs> I'll be sacked. My job is talent. And Clarky, you join me every single week and you're an absolute pleasure to have. Thank you again. No, I love both of you, and uh, I love the questions from the community. Very active week this week. Thank you so much 
for all your questions. May the super coach gods bless you. You can continue to ask us questions even before we ask for them on a Sunday night or a Monday morning by sending them to jockmailbag at gmail.com. Just know that if they are round specific, we can't answer them obviously before the next Wednesday night. So you're more than welcome to tweet at us if they need to be answered before the weekend begins, but you can send questions through. Mailbags always open.